I really uh, appreciate the message there as uh, DJ Eric always tries to uh, spin. So does DJ Andrew when he's running our show. They always try to spin uh, topic-appropriate tunes. Uh, but I respectfully disagree. Of course we're going to take it. We have weak, ineffective leaders like Mayor Ginther in Columbus, like Governor DeWine also in Columbus. We have weak, ineffective leaders, and we are going to take it because they refuse to stand up for themselves and for all of us. They refuse to empower police. They refuse to actually uphold the law because it might offend somebody and it might uh, cross the wrong uh, organization uh, that might cost them votes at some point. The bottom line is we are going to take it because at this point, anyway, we have no choice. All right, let's get into it. Hour number two at 11 minutes after 10. Let's welcome Peter Kersenow back to our program. Peter Kersenow is a Cleveland attorney, host of the Kersenow Report, best selling author and perhaps most importantly the longest serving member of the united states commission on civil rights peter good morning bob i'm doing great it's 82 days until the ostensible beginning of the nfl season we'll see everything is in a state of flux and you know i I usually look forward eagerly to the beginning of the various sports seasons um less so now because it seems to me that uh, the major corporations major entities and institutions are engaged in really stupid virtue signaling and it gets on my nerves and if anything gets on my nerves it's virtue signaling that demeans and disparages the united states of america its history and the people who fought and served this country so well so um we talked about this once before 82 days they better get their act together Pete, um, let's go a little further into that. It was one of the five or six topics that I uh, talked to you about this morning when we uh, prepped our show. Uh, so let's just do this. Um, I don't plan on watching the NFL. I am still a fan of football, and I'm still a fan of the NFL, the game that's played between the lines, but I am just about done. After what happened to Breeze, we know what is going to happen to Baker Mayfield and virtually everybody else that must follow suit and kneel or or face the wrath of their teammates, of their fans, of, well, maybe not all of their fans, we're not going to like this, but but certainly a certain percentage of them. Uh, and they're all going to kneel. Heck, there's talk about demanding that a Black Lives Matter flag be flown underneath the American flag uh, at NFL stadiums. And just yesterday, NFL icon Brett Favre uh, compared Colin Kaepernick to American hero Pat Tillman, the uh, Army Ranger who had an NFL contract just put in front of him, a new three-year contract when 9-11 happened. He turned the contract down and went and enlisted, became an Army Ranger, and was killed in Afghanistan. He actually compared that sacrifice to Colin Kaepernick sacrificing his career for his protesting of social injustices in America. Peter Roger Goodell has stated publicly he wants Colin Kaepernick to lead the NFL's movement on social justice. I can't support a league like that. As much as I love the sport itself, I, I just can't see myself turning it on on Sunday afternoons. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, my interest in the NFL has waned since the first kneeling incident, and what wasn't publicized, uh, you saw it, I saw it, a number of people nonetheless saw it, was how the empty how empty the stadiums began uh, began to uh, occur when this this uh, kneeling and the disrespect of the flag began. Uh, that spooked the NFL, of course. Jerry Jones was adamant that they not do anything of that nature. But now we've got another instant, uh, in- incident where they are piggybacking off the in- incident to return to the kneeling and the Black Lives Matter rhetoric. Um, 
and I think it's going to harm them even more. Now, there's going to be a cohort that's going to watch the NFL no matter what, but it's going to be a smaller and smaller cohort. I, I believe, I mean, I truly believe that most people are done with this. They, they're, they're sick of this ridiculous virtue signaling, and it's virtue signaling based on, uh, you know, we talk about systemic racism. It's virtue signaling based on systemic ignorance. They don't know the history. They don't, they don't even know what's uh, occurring presently. All they're doing is hoping that the alligator eats them last by capitulating to this mob. And it's a very small mob. Uh, it's a, a wonder to me that all of the smart people in these major corporations haven't taken a look at the polls that show northward of 70% of Americans disapprove of all this stuff that is occurring in America today. Yeah. Uh, disapprove of the tearing down of statutes, of the disrespecting of the United States of America and its history, and the failure to appreciate the nuances of history and human nature. It's all, lack of a better term, black and white. Uh, so I think that they're playing with fire. Yeah, will they have some fans that tune in because it's almost out of inertia that people tune in on a Sunday and maybe they don't have anything else to do? Yeah, but it, there's going to be a significant appreciation, I think, of the fan base. I also think that the brand is going to be tarnished uh, for a long time, maybe not irreparably, but for a long time. Right. Um, not a good move to you know, take a side against the United States of America. And that's not hyperbole. When no. you kneel, when the national anthem is played, you're kneeling to show disrespect to the millions of lives lost and maimed to preserve our way of life and our freedoms. This is no small thing. Unfortunately, because, or fortunately maybe, because we're such a great nation, the vast majority of Americans today never even swerved close to service in the military. Right. And really, their, their families haven't. They don't have any appreciation for what that service means. The maimed bodies, the limbs. The problem the, is, though, the Pete, they're not site. talking. You know, what they're saying is, Pete, they're not talking about patriots. They're not talking about military, and they're not even talking about the flag. They're talking about what, what, what it, what's representative on the streets right now. They're saying that when we ask you to kneel, it's not to denigrate the flag or the servicemen and women who fought and died. It's in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. And that's why I want to transition this part of the conversation to Peter. Black Lives Matter, there is Black Lives Mattering, which we all agree all Black Lives Matter because they're human lives and American lives. Then there's Black Lives Matter, the organization. And anybody who believes that Black Lives Matter, the organization, is just simply looking out to make sure there's equality in the treatment of people in this country isn't paying attention. Patrice Cullors is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, and she said out loud what many of us have known for a very long time, and I want everybody it to might, know. Um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of 
ideological theories. And I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folks. Super trained or super versed rather in ideological theory and the ideology they have chosen is Marxism. And it is reflected in the stated goals of the Black Lives Matter organization on their website. Pete, this isn't about racial equality. This is about undermining and essentially overthrowing. Can you do both those things at the same time, undermine and overthrow? I think you can. The United States uh, of America as a capitalist republic uh, rooted in liberty, this is exactly what they are trying to destroy. This is not a surprise. Everyone with eyes can see it merely because the media doesn't report accurately on it doesn't mean that it's not happening. This has very little, let's be frank about this. This has very little to do with black lives mattering. If it did a long time ago, this organization would have been up in arms and protesting every single day and doing all kinds of things regarding the thousands of black lives that are killed every year. Give you a stat, and this is a stat that varies a little bit from year to year. Last year, let me back up. What prompted the current conflagration, as we all know, is the George Floyd situation. Neither you nor I nor any other American has heard anyone support what happened there, and everyone universally condemned it in the harshest terms. Yes. That is an anomaly, what we just saw there. 2019, nine unarmed black men were killed by cops. Nine. And when I say unarmed, that didn't mean that they were without fault. They may have been armed and then uh, became disarmed, or in, in most cases they were engaged in some type of felony. But nine, okay, whether it was justified or not, nine. In five that five of year, those nine, by the way, Peter, if you would, five of those nine proceeded to assault and attack the officers in full view right. of witnesses. So it, you know, it, being unarmed doesn't mean you are, un, you are not dangerous. Obviously. Precisely right. Or they may have been armed and then they put the, the weapon on the seat of their vehicle or whatever it may have. Those kind of things were going on. Right. So nine, in any given year, the number varies by a few hundred here and there, approximately 7,000 plus blacks are murdered, not nine, 7,000. And of those 7,000, almost every single one was murdered by another black person, 7,000. But you didn't hear peep from Black Lives Matter because it is true. It's about Marxism. It's not about race. It's about gaining an advantage using as you go back a number of decades, the Soviet Union actually had plans and did implement a program to utilize minorities in America as a wedge to try to um, promote, quote-unquote, equality, meaning equality of outcome, meaning and also to stoke grievances in order to foment a Marxist revolution. That was the aim. We have Venona Cables, for example, and it was revealed what the KGB was up to and what their, what their uh, aims were from the 1950s. This is not anything new. But the media and, unfortunately, our academic institutions, to some extent, are, are complicit in this. They're teaching this rot. And we've let it go for 50 years. Some of us have been waving our arms and saying, wait a minute, you know what's going on here? Eventually, the people who are listening to this, this bilge are going to become our leaders. And we see it prevalent throughout the United States. All of these left-leaning mayors, they're allowing their cities to burn, who are not protecting their citizens, who are not doing what they are commissioned to do, and that is secure the lives and property of the citizenry, 
All these folks have been steeped, or not all of them, but a vast majority of them, all Democrat steeped in this type of ideology. It's, it has um, to be. It has to be because there's, it's impossible for it just to be a coincidence that all of these cities that are falling to anarchists and all of them that have been underperforming in terms of jobs, in terms of uh, crime rates, etc., uh, in, in, uh, in the minority community are all run by Democrats. That's not coincidence. That's training. That's ideological indoctrination. Peter Kirsten, now back with us right after this. Okay, 1025, uh, let's get Peter Kirsten back in here to follow up a little bit about one of the things that you just mentioned, Peter, as we were talking about uh, race in America and Black Lives Matter um, and the narrative. Benjamin Crump is a well-known attorney. Uh, he represents the family of George Floyd. He represents the family of Ahmed Arbery. Uh, he represented the family of Trayvon Martin and others. He was supposed to represent the, tr- the family of Nikia Crawford, uh, the 18-year-old girl who was tragically shut, to, uh, shot down and killed while driving her grandmother down in Akron just uh, last week. Um, when he believed that the suspect was a white male, he wrote a letter to Bill Barr at the DOJ demanding a full-on investigation and demanding hate crime charges, and I represent Nikia Crawford's family. When he found out that the three suspects are African-American, um, he bailed. The family said he's a fraud. The family said he's fake. He's only interested in fame and controversy. I think he's interested in two things, money and fame, and that's it. And there's no money and there's no fame in the, uh, an innocent 18-year-old black girl who was killed by three black suspects. So he bailed on the Akron family. Peter Kersenow, isn't that exactly what we're talking about? It's not about black lives. There's an agenda always. There's always an agenda, and it's transparent. What, what many things bother us, Bob. Um, one of it is, as we just talked about, our abject failure of our leaders, the cowardice of our leaders who fail to stand up to something that is so transparent. Another is the media. We're always complaining about them, but they deserve it. They get everything wrong, it seems to me. The big, the big items they get wrong, and yet they get Pulitzers for getting the big items wrong. But more importantly, many of them are complicit in this. They're driving an agenda, and you can see it happening. Maybe not on the local level, where I think they get it wrong more often than they, they drive a particular agenda. But on the national level, it's so transparent these days. Everyone sees it. And for that reason, I think that their effectiveness has been considerably diminished in terms of trying to move the needle politically. This is something that we can no longer tolerate um, or remain silent on. And it's a difficult thing to do. Very, very difficult because most average people, first of all, don't have an opportunity to push back. They don't have a forum to push back. They don't even have the opportunities in terms of their daily lives to push back. And when you do push back, you get, you know, your butt handed to you, literally. You could lose your job. You get deplatformed. You know, when a J.K. Rowling, who earns her publishing company and her, uh, the, the, the uh, various movie houses that make the Harry Potter series literally billions of dollars when she can come under fire, not because of the Black Lives Matter movement, because she was politically incorrect about something. Uh, when those kinds of folks in our, you know, there's up in my alma mater, uh, Professor uh, Jacobson, Bill Jacobson up there was uh, on the verge of losing, losing his job. Fortunately, a lot of people intervened to try to protect his job, but that's where we are, this anti-intellectualism. It's a combination, Bob, of, you know, when you and I went to school back in the Mesozoic era, it was standard 
to read. I, I remember the first time I read Animal Farm was in fifth grade. I don't think I, I actually understood it at that time. I thought it was interesting. But it formed a basis for me when I reread it later, and I, I started to understand what it was all about. But we're looking at a combination of Fahrenheit 451, Animal Farm 1984, and, and uh, Aldous Huxley, uh, Brave New World. This entire movement is based on a false narrative. We've said it over and over and over again. Bob, you and I have talked about this for several years now. It's a false narrative, and I fault people in positions of power, people who um, actually control the media, who can correct these false narratives that hurt black lives more than anything else. They know better and yet they, because of either cowardice or an agenda, refuse to correct the record. Without correcting the record, we continue to march down the false path. We, at the outset of the riots, Bob, you and I had a discussion. I know I've, I've talked to Tucker and others about this because it's been something I've been talking about for years now, is the Ferguson effect. And we yeah. predicted at the outset of this, that more black lives were going to be killed as the result of the Ferguson effect, that is, cops withdrawing from policing. And we said it was, it was plain. It's going to happen. We've had a million examples of this. So this was not any great genius on our part to make this prediction. And yet what we saw over the weekend with 102 to 104, it's unclear exactly how many people were shot in Chicago, but approximately 100 plus people in one weekend we're shot in Chicago. That's Beirut, nineteen eighty-two. That's Baghdad, two thousand six. It's it's incredible what's going on. We're tolerating this stuff. By tolerating, I mean no one is taking any great measures to do anything about it. We don't no. see all, all well, kinds of protests about this stuff. Then we look at Minneapolis. This was predictable. Yeah. Minneapolis had eleven shootings in one incident. This is stunning stuff. We are tolerating this as Americans. Tolerating, and, and, and it was predicted, and we still can't do anything to stop it. Pete, let's take this uh, time out for our news here. By the way, you're older than I am. You were Mesozoic. I was Paleolithic, just FYI. We'll be back with Curse now right after this. little update here before we continue with personnel. The uh, murderers, uh, the alleged murderers of Nakia Crawford, the 18-year-old uh, African-American girl in uh, Akron from last week, there are three that were sought. One turned himself, herself in, rather, on Friday. Janisha George, 24, turned herself in on Friday. Just this morning, uh, just finding out that Jayon Bivens, 18, surrendered to detectives uh and adaris black is still on uh, at large he's the 17 year old wanted in the murder there was a five thousand dollar reward for information leading to his arrest so that's the story benjamin crump doesn't care about that story anymore because of the st- situation that we described earlier okay uh peter kirsten now continues with us now pete um I want to talk to you about cancel culture in our final segment here together, and I want to talk about um, a couple of things. First of all, the President of the United States made it very clear after a very strong statement made by uh, Senator Tom Cotton, and that statement was essentially that uh, if you tear down any more statues, if you deface any statues, you're going to prison. It is a crime, and it carries with a uh, penalty of up to 10 years in prison. President Trump loved that, retweeted that, and said, we should make it retro, or we will make it, he said, excuse me, 
retroactive as well, and anybody who has already done it uh, is, is going to go to jail. So they're trying to protect the monuments. This started, of course, with an attack on Confederate monuments. It expanded now to, of course, to founding fathers, including George Washington. Uh, and uh, they even tore down, for crying out loud, or defaced and tried to tear down uh, a statue of Ulysses Grant, who, of course, led the Union in the fight against the Confederacy that ended up winning the the, uh, Civil War and uh, achieving uh, emancipation for slaves. He then, by the way, after that, fought the KKK, uh, for crying out loud, and for some reason he's been targeted. So, Pete, I want to get your thoughts on that in general. Should they be locking up people who do this? And then number two, this is the best one from yesterday. Uh, an alert conservative uh, commentator pointed out yesterday on Twitter that Elihu Yale, the founder of Yale University, liberal indoctrination center that it is, um, was a slave trader. Not a slave owner, not a plantation owner, a slave trader, meaning he was part of catching, uh, transporting, and selling slaves uh, in North America. And that that is what uh, Yale University is named for. If there is any consistency whatsoever in the liberal cancel culture, they will be demanding that Yale change its name rather than honoring that slave trader. So, Peter Kirsten, I'll take it away. I think all of your listeners, maybe there's a few who don't agree, but I guarantee you that the vast majority of your listeners have been watching television, watching the defacement of monuments, the tearing down of statutes, and have been screaming at their televisions, saying, arrest them, lock them up. What are they doing? How are they getting away with this impu- with impunity? Among other things, we wouldn't get away with defacing anything. We know that. The people who make America work, who observe its laws, who have built the country, who protect the country, we follow the rules, and if we depart from them, we fully expect there's going to be punishment. Yet we see these individuals, and I guarantee you, very many of them look to be either high school, college students, or living in their parents' basements. I don't mean to overgeneralize, but you know what? After a while, you get a pretty good idea as to who these folks are. They're not paying taxes. And on top of that, they went to schools that taught them to hate America. And we're sick of the fact that there's this double standard where they can deface our public property and many of our heroes. And they have no clue what they're doing because colleges are not teaching them anything. But it has nothing to do with the statues or very little to do with the statues, Bob. It's an overarching philosophy that is rooted in Marxist ideology. We saw this, no, we didn't, because it predated us. But the Lenins and the Stalins of the world erased history. Robespierre did it in the French Revolution. The reason is when you have a tabula rasa, you can then imprint your own history on a particular government or nation so that you can justify the actions that you're taking. The United States of America unequivocally, and unfortunately this isn't taught in our schools anymore because we've got this Howard Zinn approach to history, is unequivocally the greatest nation in the history of civilization. Nothing else comes close. What, what so many refuse to acknowledge is that uh, good and perfect are not necessarily synonymous. It's not a perfect nation, but it is a great and good nation. And we are sick and tired of people tearing down its history, 
with the, all of its flaws. Those who are, you know, don't remember the history are going to be condemned to repeat it. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, tearing down our history, tearing down our monuments that are valuable, and, and the, the beauty of them. The, there's an aspect of this that, that goes against cultural norms and aesthetic norms that we hate. They deface these things with impunity, and they think they can do it. And we're saying, wait a minute. How is this happening in the United States of America, and why are they getting away with it? Arrest them. Almost everybody would agree. Arrest them. Put them in jail, and this will end. That's why we have law enforcement. That's why you see the chaos. By the way, I know you've probably talked about this, even though I, get, I don't get an opportunity to listen to you every day, Bob. I'm sure you have, because you and I think about these things virtually the same way, unfortunately. But the fact is that every single one of these cities that have been falling into decay and, and uh, the, the chaos that has occurred over the last several weeks is run right. by Democrats. Oh. Every single one. And for 50, 60, 70, 80, in the case of Chicago, 90 years, you don't see a Republican in sight. Yet they're not held to account. If you're going to tear down anything, hey, we better start looking at the Democratic Party, the party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow the party of, of uh, the Black Codes, the, the party that, frankly, fought the Civil War to preserve slavery, and then during Reconstruction fought against Republicans to preserve the slavery and apartheid way of life. This is extraordinary, the past that they get. We start, have to start calling names. And again, who is fomenting this and who seeks to benefit from the chaos that we currently see? It's the Democrat slash progressive party. And we need to start calling these folks out regularly, despite the fact that the media refuses to do so every time we're interviewed, anytime we have a, a public forum, we have to talk about this. I hate to put it in political terms, but that's what they're all about. And if we refuse to fight back on their level, and then transcend that, we will lose. We will lose the United States of America. That's where we are right now. Greater minds than I have conceded over the last couple of years that we are at or beyond a tipping point right now. This inflection point cannot be ignored. We have to use all of our resources to fight against this scourge because, again, this goes beyond. This, is, this has very little to do with black lives. This has to do with the governing philosophy of Western civilization. That's, that, that's something that is spanned 2,000 years, and they're trying to destroy it. There's a reason why several of the leaders of, of Black Lives Matter have gone beyond simply tearing down statues and now have their sights on Jesus Christ, on attacking churches and tearing down statues of Jesus Christ and the Virgin Mary. I said a few weeks ago, Bob, I fully expect that pretty soon they're going to be coming after statues of Martin Luther King Jr. Because, again, this has less to do with race than it has to do with this pernicious ideology that they're trying to spread throughout the United States of America. And they are nihilists in their essence. They really don't know the direction in which they're going, but there are people who are behind the movement who understand where they're going and are trying to finance it and promote it for their own ends. You know what I find fascinating, Peter, um, and I know you've got to go here, but just since you brought up the religious part of this, and Sean King, one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter organization, despite being a fake black guy, he's a red-headed white kid who acts black. He's literally living a life in blackface. And they don't care about that, by the way. He said to tear down, he said, first smash the stained glass windows in churches and tear down the statues of white Jesus because it symbols, it's a symbol of white supremacy and or white privilege. 
Um, I'm kind of curious as to why no mention of tearing down other iconic uh, religious leaders, including any references to Muhammad. And I know that it's a crime in Islam to actually depict Muhammad and actually draw pictures, but there's no, there's no um, uh, a call for an end to that, despite the fact that Muhammad led a movement that did indeed take slaves. Who did? I mean, the Ottoman Empire, for crying out loud, I don't want to get into all of the history here, but compared Compare that to uh, the, the, the life uh, of the 33-year life of Jesus Christ. Uh, whom did he enslave to, do, to deserve the destruction of, his, of monuments in his honor, the way they are trying to do to Robert E. Lee, for example, or anybody else associated with the Confederacy? Yeah. Understand the mindset, the philosophy, the mentality that undergirds this entire movement. It is poisonous. It is evil. We must stop it. And simply because we have supine leaders, quote-unquote, I put put that in quotation marks, leaders, doesn't mean that we as individual Americans don't have the right to stand up and say, no, Moss, you're not doing it, not on my watch. I'm not encouraging people to do this. But one of the things that exhilarated me during the riots was when, and again, I'm not countenancing people to do this because bad things can happen, but I like the fact that the Corbos stood in front of their store and protected it. And I walked down Euclid Avenue because my office is here. Uh, I walked down from East 17th to Public Square a few days after the riots, and I, I saw virtually every storefront boarded up except for the Corbos. The fact, however that individual citizens have to take matters into their own hands is an abomination. That should never, ever, ever happen in the United States of America. We pay tax dollars in order to preserve our property, our hard-won property, the property that we built. One day, they're going to take it too far. That's why we have to stop this right now. If they take it too far, the majority of good Americans will finally say, no mas. And we don't want to see that. We don't want it to get to that point. I'm not advocating for that by any stretch of the imagination, but it must stop now. And the question is, is who and what uh, will be able to stop it? Because there is no courage among the leadership right now. Even President Trump has talked a pretty strong game about putting in military to retake the part of Seattle that has been taken over by anarchists. Uh, hasn't done it. The mayor of uh, Seattle, by the way, after the murders over the weekend inside the CHOP zone or the CHAZ zone, the mayor said, yeah, it's time to end that. How are you going to do it with police? No, yeah. we're going to ask them to leave every night at 8 p.m. and go away. Uh, How so predictable pre- was that? We yeah, knew pre- this. Pretty Bob, you and I talked about this several times. We knew this was going to happen, but these children who are in elected office refuse to do their jobs. Instead, they're making bathroom assignments for kindergartners. This is the dumbest thing imaginable. We cannot tolerate this anymore. Let's get adults back into leadership. So how do we get it back? That's the question. And we'll continue to discuss it. Peter Kirsten, thank you so much, my friend. Great analysis, as always. Thanks, Bob. That's Kirsten now on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 1048. We'll take our final time out here and come back and wrap it with phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty three, final segment of the broadcast underway. Thanks again to Jack Windsor. Tremendous insight, <clears throat> information, 
And uh, data analysis uh, joined us in the first hour. Thanks to Peter Now Let's wrap it up with you. We'll go to Vince calling us from Westlake on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Vince. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Great show as usual. Great guest. Uh, I wanted to follow up on a point that you were making before about the Black Lives Matters group, and I don't think a lot of people recognize this. You know, uh, I live not far from you out in the far west suburbs in uh, Westlake. I see kids marching down the street in in, uh, Crocker Park protesting. Uh, I see them all over different uh, suburbs and that. And and I I think to myself, do you guys even know what you're you're protesting and who, more importantly, you're supporting? And that is a Marxist, anti-family, anti-God, you know, uh, from what I can see, anti-anyone who's not a person of color. And the support that they give to these people, I don't think they realize what they're doing. Like you, I believe in, yes, that all lives matter. Black lives, white lives, uh, you name it, every life matters. Sure. But the organization itself is, is horrendous. They're despicable, and they are in imminent and immediate danger to this country. That's number one. And number two, in regards to that and all the other stuff that's going on with the COVID and the, the mask and the covering up and the, the false numbers that were being fed and everything else, where are the Republican leadership? In, in this, where are the people that are supposed to be on the side of common sense and goodness? And even for that matter, where is there anybody left in the Democratic Party with common sense? That's it. Well, well, okay. Thanks for the call, Vince. Uh, no, no. I mean, if you are in the Democratic Party and you possess common sense, you are by you are a living, breathing oxymoron. Uh, you cannot be both common sensible and Democrat. Number one and number two. Even if somebody is common sensible but re- but uh, 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 declares himself to be a Democrat, it's because they feel like they have that's their best chance of getting elected. If they are uh, somebody who is a person of uh, interested in running for office, um, they'll be a Democrat. <clears throat> excuse me knowing that they're in a particularly deeply blue district. And, in fact, I know Republicans. I will not name names, but I know people who have been Republicans for their entire lives who decided to run for office, took a look at the demographics and the political affiliation of the district or the city that they're in, and have changed over uh, about a year before running for office and uh, and then ran as Democrats and then even tried to govern as Republicans or tried to participate as Republicans. So that's the primary reason uh, you have even as many as you do. But no, most of them do not have common sense. Akron, Wes, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Wes, go ahead. Uh, I was just wondering if you knew if racism was a virus or bacteria. The reason I ask is because evidently the Democrats are going to make racism a public health emergency. They found out that under these uh, medical health emergencies, they can make up any kind of crazy law they want, just like the governors of New uh, New Jersey and Mexico. Uh, Michigan have done. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's it's probably not a bacteria or a virus. They're going to call it a mental disease. They're going to say that racism as a health uh, as a health emergency is a is a mental disease that strikes. The, and thanks for the call, uh, Wes. That uh, strikes the minds of people based on the color of their skin. You see, it's that rare pigmentation cerebellum connection. Uh, and if you have the right, right or wrong pigmentation, it connects to your cerebellum and makes you racist. And therefore, uh, it is a pandemic. You, you, you saw this, right? It's not being called just a health emergency as it is in some places like Cleveland's city council. Uh, it's a pandemic. It's worldwide racism. Lighter skinned, lighter hued people are destroying and coming down on and, and mistreating people with darker uh, skin color. And it's a, it's a worldwide pandemic. That's what we are being told.
So, uh, yeah, probably mental more than uh, than bacterial or viral. Uh, Mike in Lakewood. Mike, you're on AM 1420, yeah. the answer. Go right ahead. Yes, there's uh, no other country besides ours that allows statues to be put up or schools named after traitors or military based after traitors. That's, that's, I mean, you wouldn't have Benedict Arnold High School or Julius, or statue to Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. You wouldn't go along with that. But we allow things to Lee and Hood and people like that. Well, you know what, Mike? There are a lot of people, you know, I mean, let's just play this out. Um, there yeah. are existing right now, I can't, I don't know, but there are dozens of Barack Obama elementary schools that have been named, or junior high schools or something like that, and there are certain statues as well. Do you know that to uh, a population that is truly devoted to the Constitution, there are many people who see what Barack Obama did in uh, in his eight years in office as being traitorous or treasonous, if you will, to the country? The it's the eye it's the eye of the observer and the fact of the matter is he is a part of our history and so are all of those other individuals oh, no, no. that you're, you're talking about no 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 barack obama did not uh take arms up against the united didn't states say of did. america didn't say he, he did, did. didn't How? say he did no well, i did okay. not say he did but but, but you you do know you do know that there there are many different forms of quote unquote treason. Giving aid and comfort to our enemy is something that he did the moment he walked into office, Mike. That is aid and comfort to our enemies is indeed just as treasonous as taking up arms. And so if you want to and thank you for the phone call, if you want to get into which ones should be taken down and which ones should not, you're gonna play a game of subjectivity that no one will ever win. No one will ever win. You cannot get on that slippery slope. You just can't. And that's why the the law exists, the one that Tom Cotton and Donald Trump talked about, and you can indeed be locked up for 10 years uh, for trying to destroy national monuments. That's where we're going to have to leave this one. Thanks so much for being a part of the program. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Then stay for Prager and Gorka and Seculo and Elder, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority. Enjoy the silence.